Uh, good morning. Thanksgiving has passed, and we are on the home stretch of reaching Christmas, and Christmas songs are playing everywhere. Have you noticed that? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's an extra exciting time for Christians, because at Christmas, and, and rightfully so, there seems to be this special emphasis on what God did some 2,000 years ago when he came to live on the earth as a human being and then went back to heaven. So that's right. If you didn't know that, God left heaven came, put on skin and bones with all the needed systems of the body that we need to live here. You know, he had the circulatory, the respiratory, the muscular, the reproductive system, the nervous, digestive. He had all of those in every way. He was just like us, except for one ginormous difference. He was without sin. And while he was here on this earth, his name was Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. And everything that he did while he was on earth matters. His birth matters, his ascension matters, everything he said, everything he did matters. It was a 33-year stay on earth that has changed everything, including eternity. Like, there is a reason that Jesus is the main character of the Bible. We are in our third week of a seven-week series entitled Titles of the Christ. Week one, Jesus is prophet. Last week, week two, Jesus is priest. It matters that Jesus is prophet and priest. It matters if he is your prophet and priest or not. It's an eternal matter. Today, we look at another title. It is this, Christ Jesus is King. Most of you may already know that. Let's talk about it. Old Testament prophets declared Jesus to be coming the king long before it happened. I'm going to read just one of Daniel's prophecies. It's from Daniel chapter 7. He's in the middle of seeing a vision from God when he says this, I continued watching in the night visions, and I saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was escorted before him. He was given authority to rule and glory and a kingdom so that those who of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. The one being described here is a king. Kings have authority to rule. Kings have others serve them. Kings have a kingdom. Like, you can't be a king without a kingdom. All of that is described right here in Daniel's vision. And the one, like a son, a man, coming in the clouds, that's referring to to Jesus. Fast forward. The Magi, also known as wise men, Matthew 2, 2. While they are searching for Jesus at his birth, they ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. From the very first days of his life, Jesus was acknowledged by some of the smartest people around as king. And then there's Pilate, a leading government official. He had a special sign placed above Jesus at his crucifixion. We read it in John 19, 19. Pilate also had a sign lettered and put on the cross. The inscription was, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. So government officials identified Jesus as King. And on multiple occasions, Jesus himself said, I am King. So we've got prophets, magi, 
government officials, Jesus, all declaring Jesus to be king. Well, what does it mean that Jesus is king? Jesus is king has everything to do with his authority. That's the angle for us to capture and to keep. To understand that Jesus is king in a way that's going to impact our lives, to let us have greater worship, greater devotion, and greater trust of this king. Now, the idea of a king might be a little difficult for us to comprehend living here in the United States. We don't live under a king government style. And to say, oh, we have a president, so that's like a king. No, it's not. They're not close to the same. The president does have power, but compared to a king, it is a very limited power. And as I was thinking about this through this week, being king of your own castle doesn't help either. Like your spouse and your kids dethrone you in a hurry. Happens all the time. And if you think you're king and you leave your kingly little house and go out into the community, you quickly find out you've got no power. And if you think that you are a king and you live in an HOA, oh, those self-imposed kingly status that you have, one little violation, and you know what's happening. That fine is coming right to your house for you. No, for a more accurate understanding of a king and the authority that comes with kingship, we need to be thinking of a person who is not subject to any other authority other than God himself. That's the way the Bible describes King Jesus. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus tells his disciples, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus is king means he has all authority over all people, all things, in all places, all the time. Now, there is a key phrase and a key word that leads us to ask some questions, and I want to do that. So I'm going to read again. Let's look again at Matthew 28, 18, specifically the phrase, has been given to me. I'm going to ask you a few questions, and I'm going to ask for your answer, okay? So we're going to participate, okay? Who has been given authority? Me. That's Jesus. Good job. (laughs) What has been given? Authority. Where does this authority rule? In heaven and on earth. earth. Finally, a nice deep voice. Yes, sir. Those things are clear to see. The verse tells us that. There are a few more questions to ask. Who gave this authority to Jesus? Because that matters. God. God. We're going to look at it first. When I ask the kids, when I ask a kid, one of my kids, hey, go tell the other kids to come inside. If they go out to ask them and say, just come inside, there's a good chance it doesn't happen or it takes a really long time to happen. But a lot of times, if they go out and when I say, tell them I said to come inside, it happens quicker. Do you guys ever experience that same type of thing? Right? So there's some authority here that's been given and some different things happen. It's really important here that we understand who is giving Jesus authority. God is the right answer, and I can prove it to you in John 3:35. It says this: The Father, God, loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. Clearly, this answers the question: Who gave all authority to Jesus? God the Father gave the Son all authority. 
Now, there's a word that I want us to look at, and it's that word all. I've said it a lot already. All is an adjective. It's stating how much authority Jesus has been given. All is one of those tricky words that if one isn't careful, one can misuse. There are other words like this. All, never, none. Those are other words that always, those are other tricky words in the category. For example, I have often been accused of leaving my shoes at the foot of the bed all the time. And that's just not true. Like, if just one time I don't leave my shoes, then it's not all the time. Some of the time, for sure. Most of the time, babe, probably. All of the time, no way. So when Jesus says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth, what does that include and not include? Is it being used here the way all is all the time my shoes are left out? Because that's not all. That's less than all. But watch this, John 1, 3. All things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing has been created. Colossians 1, 17. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. There are a lot of verses, verses just like this, that give strong confirmation that all authority means all, as in complete, absolute authority all the time. So this morning, we have five points to cover. Here they are. Jesus has authority. Jesus has all authority over all creation. Jesus has all authority over all governments and ruled powers. Jesus has all authority over Satan and all his demons. Jesus has all authority over all sin. And Jesus has all authority over all salvation. That's a lot to cover. Here we go. Start with creation. There is not the tiniest fraction of space in the universe that Jesus does not have complete authority over. Such a space does not exist. There is not a nano billionth of a second that Jesus does not control and have complete authority over. There's not a single boson. That's the smallest particle known. It's way smaller than an atom. I had to Google all that. There's not a boson of matter that Jesus does not have complete authority over. Take the 30-ish trillion cells in your body. Not one of them is outside of the authority of Jesus. That includes the 50 million, the cells that die each day. Multiply those 30 trillion cells by the 7 billion people walking around this planet, and not one single cell escapes being under his complete authority. That's the healthy ones, the dying one, the cancerous ones. None of them does anything apart from Jesus saying so. That's our king. And we can add to that every animal cell, plant cell, add them to the count. And it's just as easy for Jesus to have all authority over all of them all of the time. This does not tax him, doesn't slight him, doesn't, it's not stressful to him in the slightest. Take trees, for example. I love the fall season. There is not a tree that exists that can lose a leaf apart from his authority. Jesus once 
had this going on in Mark eleven thirteen. He was hungry. After seeing in the distance a fig tree with leaves, he went to find out if there was anything on it. He came to it. He found nothing but leaves, but it was not the season for figs. He said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. The very next day, verse 20, early in the morning, as they were passing by, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. Fig tree was withered because Jesus has this kind of authority. I have said before, I'll say it again, there's not a hurricane, tornado, tsunami, monsoon flood, blizzard, Florida sun shower that exists or moves outside of the authority of Jesus. I love the book of Job, chapter 38. It just gives this long listing of created things and what Jesus is doing with them. Lightning reports to him, where do you want me to go strike? Job 38. Hail is stored up in these big storehouses at his command, Job 38, 22. Waves go this far in the ocean, rivers, ponds, mud puddles, all of it. Job 38, 11, they go as far as he allows and no further. Once, Jesus had fallen asleep on a boat when a nasty storm with potentially deadly winds and waves were, that was about to sink the boat. The disciples scared to death. They wake Jesus up, Luke 8, 24. And he got up. He rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was a calm. They were fearful and amazed, asking one another, who can this be? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. From the tiny pygmy shrew to the majestic blue whales, from the ugly cockroach to the beautiful, handsome peacock, from the slowest sloth to the fastest cheetah, from the mountain goats 29,000 feet up to the Dumbo octopus 36,000 feet down. All creation is under the design and under the authority of King Jesus. I put the pictures up for the kids, but I noticed the parents and the adults are like, oh, it's nice. You could spend days and I hope you spend them in wonderment of like, wow, that's King Jesus at work. I got five more for you with pictures. <laughs> By the authority of King Jesus, salmon swim upstream. By the authority of King Jesus, swans mate for life. By the authority of King Jesus, hummingbirds fly backwards. By the authority of King Jesus, Crocodiles can't stick out their tongues. They have one less thing to teach their kids than we do. By the authority of King Jesus, polar bears have black skin but white fur. By the authority of King Jesus, only female mosquitoes bite. And the list could go on for days. Outer space is no exception. By the authority of King Jesus over the heavens, 
Nothing is spinning or shining or exploding or freezing in space unless Jesus says so. That's King Jesus. And that's point one. There is nothing in creation that exists outside of his authority. And that includes right down to playing the game of Yahtzee. Proverbs 16 says, we may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. If you don't win Yahtzee, God did not want you to win it. (laughs) Point two, Jesus is king over all other kingdoms and governments and world powers. John in Revelation 17, 14 talks like this. These, that's referring to other kings, they will make war against the lamb, but the lamb will conquer them because he is Lord of lords and king of kings. Jesus gets the capital L. Jesus gets the capital K. Anyone want to take a suggestion as to why? He's greater. He's stronger. He's more superior than all the little L's and the little K's. Ephesians 1, 20. God, raising Jesus from the dead, that's the hymn, and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion. We sang a song about that this morning. And on every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come, he has put everything under his feet. When it comes to world power, Jesus is the undefeated champion, king, and ruler of the universe, and no one will ever take his title from him, ever. Daniel 2, 21. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. Two chapters later in Daniel 4, he says, the most high is the ruler over the kingdom of men. He gives it to anyone that he chooses, and he sets the lowliest men over it. I take that to mean whether a person is elected into office, appointed into office, or just asserts themselves into office through like dictatorship and brute force, it still only happens because ultimate king Jesus says so. Proverbs 21.1, a king's heart is like a stream of water in the Lord's hand. I'm going to turn it this way. I'm going to turn it this way and he directs it whichever way he chooses. Point three, Jesus is king over Satan and his demons. Look at Mark 1, 27. Then they were all amazed, so they began to argue with one another, saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even unclean spirits, and they obey him. Background story, Jesus and his disciples had just entered into the synagogue to start teaching. And as immediately as soon as he started teaching, there was a person with an unclean spirit. That's another way of saying a demon-possessed person started shouting out at Jesus. And on the spot, Jesus rebukes that demon to be quiet and to leave. And on the spot, that person, the demon inside of him, starts convulsing, involuntary body shaking like crazy. And the demon leaves. Why? Because he has all authority over Satan and his demons. There is a pattern seen actually in the Bible that Satan is always asking Jesus for permission to do this or that. And then if permission is granted or not, it happens. Job is the classic example. 
Satan has to ask Jesus for permission to bring some hardship to him. And once Jesus approves it, allows it, it can happen. The same pattern is seen in the New Testament, Luke 22. Jesus says to Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, that's another name for Peter, look out, Satan has, what? Asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Oh, Satan does roam this earth, and we definitely must be on guard and alert, but make no mistake about it. His roaming is under the authority of King Jesus. And that gets us to point four. Jesus is king over sin. Now that sounds right. Jesus is good, sin is evil. Jesus reigns over sin. Except that is not all that there is to this. Because this is where we often get the questions like, if Jesus is king over sin then why does he allow it to happen at all? This is a challenging question to answer. A long answer is available. I'm giving you a shorter one, and I hope it's good. Why does God allow sin to happen? Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? How can a loving God allow bad things like this to happen? Have you ever been asked these questions? Have you ever asked them? I have. For many people, including Christians, and especially non-Christians, this is a point of controversy, confusion, and downright frustration. I am not pretending to know all of the answers. But as I have studied, I'm just going to share with you what I think the Bible says about it. It does seem that King Jesus is over sin, allows sin, but does so without sinning himself. In short, I believe the Bible teaches that God allows sin to happen for the same reason that he allows disease and cancer and germs, pain, sickness, pandemics, wars, and death to happen. Where is Jesus at all of this? When I read and study and look, he is in heaven. He is reigning from his throne he is storing up a boatload of wrath like has never been seen before in all of humanity. And at some point, he is going to dump it out on all those who deserve it. I believe the Bible teaches that. And I believe that in the meantime, under his kingly authority, he is using sin and all of these horrible things for purposes that he chooses now, for the Christian, that means Jesus uses sin for our good. And that sounds really weird to say. But Romans 8.28, it's a verse that we recently studied in the life of Joseph. Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. There's that word again, all. All has to mean more than just good things. It must include bad things as well, or it wouldn't be all. To be clear, all things don't work for good to those who don't love God. 
All things work for good to those who do love God. And I am saying that in a strange way, it is because of sin that a person comes to love God. One of the greatest sins ever committed was the murder of Jesus. And it is a sin, that murdering of Jesus, that causes us to come into a relationship with him. That is good. And it is weird to try to think this through. I want us to go to Isaiah 53 and walk through this a little bit. It's a description of Jesus and his upcoming death. And it says, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we did not value him. Yet he himself bore our sickness and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our, because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We've all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquities of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before her shears, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment, and who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living, he was struck because of my people's rebellion. They made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man at his death, although he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. In verse 10, yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. Now, if you fast forward 700 years to the gospels where we find Jesus near the end of his life, we find Isaiah 53 becoming reality. We find a whole lot of sinning going on. The people are crying, the people are sinning, crying, crucify him, crucify him. Herod is sinning, mocking him, belittling him. Pilate is sinning, condemning an innocent man to die. Soldiers are sinning, whipping him beating him, stabbing him, crowning him with thorns. And what is God doing? He is allowing it to happen. And in doing so, it brings our ultimate good. If God doesn't allow sin to do its thing here, there is no gospel. And here I stand saying, thank God he allowed it to happen. God's plan is to save people through the murder, the sin of his son. And I am telling you, Jesus as king has all authority over sin. And the proof is that the grave is empty He's resurrected. And all of this happens, and he does not sin himself. 
That's my short answer. Point five, Jesus is king over salvation and eternal life. Once there was a time where the disciples asked that very question, Jesus, who can be saved? We find it in Mark 10, 26. The disciples asked, who can be saved? Verse 27, looking at them, Jesus said, with men, it's impossible, but not with God because all things are possible with God. There's the word again, all. All things are possible with God. Therefore, all things are not possible with man. It's only through Jesus can a person be saved. Only through Jesus can a person enter the kingdom of God. Apart from him, it's impossible. No one can raise themselves from the dead. No one can make themselves born again. No one on their own can change their old sinful nature and go, whoop, I got the new one. Not on their own, they can't. No one can take a heart of stone and change it into a heart of flesh apart from the only one who can, Jesus. Jesus has complete authority over salvation and eternal life. Those are the five points. He has all authority over creation, government and its world powers, Satan and its demons, sin and salvation. Now what do we do with that? Two points of application for us. Because Jesus is king and has all authority, bow down to this king. Worship this king. Surrender to this king. Profess Jesus as your king. Live for this king. That's the point. Every one of us has a king in our life. For some, it's king self. For others, it's king someone else. King stuff. But when you line all the kings up, there is one, King Jesus, who has the authority that you need and I need in our lives. Two, because Jesus is king and has all authority, pray. Well, pray? No. Because Jesus has all this authority, pray as if you really believe he has all this authority. See the difference? Oof. If Jesus doesn't have all this kind of authority, absolutely, let's stop wasting our time with this. But if he does, and it seems to be that Scripture has said he does, if he has this kind of authority, then big-time God prayers should be coming by the thousands at him. No wimpy, puny prayers. Big prayers. Praying in a way for the unsaved, like the most unsavable person in the universe. God, you save that person. Because you're the only one who has the authority to do it. I mean, really, how do we pray for our unsaved family, friends, neighbors? Oh, God, you know, if you kind of think that's important and you want to do that, no way. We pray with, Jesus, you are king. You have authority. You are the person who can make that person born again. You can make him have light, see, understand, and a believing faith. Do that, Jesus. And then let's see what God does. 
Because I am not saying it will be answered the way that we're praying. I am saying we are praying to the one who has the authority that can make it happen. Who else would you go to? And certainly that includes our own physical health, Pray in a way that we really believe that Jesus has authority over our bodies, our cells, our systems, all the chemicals. He has, he has complete authority over all the medical things, all the medicine, the radiation. He is the one that has authority over sickness and lameness and blindness. He controls your blood pressure. So let's pray to him in a way that he has that kind of authority and let's just see what happens. We need to be praying for marriages like he has that kind of authority. For two people to be united and to have an unconditional love one for another, pray that he can restore and fix. I know terrible wounds, terrible hurts, terrible emotional troubles. But I am going to tell you, and I believe it, and I want you to believe it as well, there is not one marriage that is too unfixable for Jesus, king of authority of all. Let's pray for our marriages that way. Pray to be free from the sins that grab us, control us, plague us, haunt us. Jesus has all authority to release every one of us from the bondage, addiction, fears that we have. So we pray boldly. Jesus has all access to all resources because he made all the resources. And he has the authority to use them as he pleases. Over 20 years ago now, uh, my dad introduced me to a video. It's called That's My King, and I want to show it to you as we close. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent 
and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah, that's my king. That's my king. That's my king. You know? Father, we worship, praise, adore, and lift up King Jesus as the almighty authority of everything. Thank you for giving Jesus as the greatest gift for our greatest problem. Indeed, let these verses that we have read today cause us to worship Jesus greater, that our devotion would be greater, that our trust in Jesus as the one with all authority Let us see King Jesus as he is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.